Welcome to Fearless Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we are on episode 260. Jeez, did you have to get like as deep as possible? (laughs) Well, that wasn't like... like, You had to get to like... You had to get to like negative 260 decibels or or kilohertz in order to... uh, Well, it's it's another milestone, right? You were robot milestones here. Yeah, I I think I'm over the milestone theme. But I'm excited that we're on another episode. And uh, this can be an interesting one because uh, today, so this kind of reminds me of when we first started. So when we first started Peerless Podcast, uh, Mike, me, pretty much didn't know anything, right? Like I was really, a lot of the episodes were Orlando kind of teaching me and I'm, I'm listening and I'm learning and I'm asking questions. And as time went, I learned more and more and could contribute more. Um, but uh, today we're going to be talking about something that I don't have a lot of experience with, which is good because uh, Orlando is going to be able to kind of talk about his experiences. I might be able to push back, ask some questions, learn a little bit. Uh, so I might be able to kind of represent those of you who are watching and listening who uh, might be like me and have never done this. And so we'd love for you in the comments below, put your experiences with um, negotiating when you're doing retail arbitrage or when you're at thrift stores. Okay. So negotiating at garage sales, got it. Negotiating at swap meets, got it. At thrift stores and retail stores, I don't do a lot of negotiating. So uh, this is if you're like me, comment below. And if uh, if you've had experiences and success, uh, comment below. What what have been your experiences with at maybe some retail stores or thrift stores with negotiating? So I will say I do feel a lot of pressure because when we first had our first few episodes, we didn't think we were going to go anywhere, right? Yeah, so so for me, sharing my knowledge it was kind of like, oh well, you yeah, know, no big deal. Five people listen to it. Three people don't like it. Oh, well, we're done. Now, there's a lot of you. <laughs> and we appreciate it. And we're great for all of you. So, you know, I will say this. Not everything we discussed today may apply to you. Not everything I discussed today may be at your comfort level. Not everything I say may work. Right? But I'll share, I'm sharing what I know has worked for me. Uh, it is part of reselling is getting out there and being awkward. Right? I always talk about being awkward. Because... Awkwardness wins in the end, but it, it, it takes it takes some fortitude. It takes some. Strength. That is definitely a strategy. We talk about awkward silence being a good strategy, but I think you got to be you got to be careful when you say just be awkward because there are well, okay. there are awkward. Yeah. There, no, there's that's awkward. Not what I mean. There's like, yes. hey, give me a discount. <laughs> discount. No, no, we're not. Like, there's no, no, awkward, no. and then there's like savvy, and like you know you can actually negotiate. Now I think what you're saying though is it might feel awkward and embracing that right like. Correct. I know that experience when it came to doing videographies. When I first started doing video stuff, it was really weird. Luckily, I worked like I was doing video at a school where most of the students were used to having cameras shoved in their face when they were like doing events and stuff. We were awkward. Yeah. But but what was nice, though, was the more I did it, I just got used to it. And then so when I would get hired to do a wedding or an event or uh, even when we first started the podcast and we would do like we're doing a thrift store right along. I'm like bringing in a camera into a store and I'm like recording myself. And, you know, people are looking at you kind of weird as you're recording things and they're like wondering what's going on. But the more you embrace it and you just you kind of if you have that, like this feels awkward, but I'm going to step out, step out of my comfort zone. and I'm just going to do it and you own it and you've got that kind of confidence. So I'm sure there's a a sense of you feel awkward, but you have to exude confidence when you're trying to negotiate, especially at somewhere like a a retail store or at a thrift store. Yeah. And I would say retail somewhere. So we'll talk about everything. What I mean. So let's just start off right off the bat. So. I got a few things that apply to both and these can apply pretty much to everything. Right. But I think these are non-negotiables. Like I, I really believe and again, I'm not the king of negotiating. I mean, I, you know, if you watch my YouTubes, I would say I, I'm pretty good at negotiating deals. Right. And I'm pretty good at negotiating deals when I was 
uh, in the school administration, when I when I made deals for my own purchases, whether it be, you know, renting out a place, buying a vehicle, whatever it is, for whatever reason, I've learned over time. Now, I've made a lot of mistakes. Okay, like one time telling the dealership how much I was approved for. Like that was like the worst thing I could have done because guess how much I paid? The top of what I was approved for, right? So understand this is all trial and error too. So which that uh, technique could actually be used once you know, and you can come in with what your actually your lowest is. You know what? Uh, I'm only approved for ten thousand on a vehicle. When maybe you're approved for twenty five, but you know you're not going to pay more than ten thousand. So uh, you're already setting that limit, right? Like going back to the Chris Voss never split the difference. You know you can you can set those numbers there. So you can you, what you made a mistake can be a technique used in the right way once you learn True. how to do it. True, but that's not what happened. All right. Hey, the very first thing is being consistent. What I mean is this. So thrift stores and retail stores, they need to put a face to you. They need to know who you are. Most people, it's very rare. I, I say that I've cold approached somebody and try to work out a deal and they've gone for it. Now it does happen. It does happen. I mean, it happens at garages all the time. But when I'm talking about thrift stores and I'm talking about retail stores, the reason I say that it's because there, there's like a higher level responsibility and accountability for those individuals, right? It's not like at a garage sale where they're just offloading junk. They're offloading items they don't care for anymore. And, you know, if they sell it for cheaper and like, you know, their spouse gets mad at them or their kid goes, hey, don't sell that seal, sealed Zelda for $40. Like, you know, it's whatever. It's not a big deal. But it's just, if, if it's at a thrift store, they're going to have to answer to somebody. If it's in a retail store, they're going to have to answer to somebody, right? So over time, if they see your face more, right, if you're at a store more and you're constantly buying, they're going to recognize who you are and there's going to be a trust that's developed, right? Because they know that you're good on your word. They know that you're actually going to pay. There's not any chargebacks. You're not trying to do anything shady. And and just being consistent in the stores, you you create friendships and you develop a relationship with people, right? Yeah. I, if you establish yourself as a good customer, they're going to want to keep good customers. We talk about that when it comes to like, you know, maybe more so smaller thrift stores, but that would definitely help with negotiations. If they see you, they know you buy a lot of stuff because people say like, oh, you know, resellers at, at thrift stores. Well, thrift stores make a good portion of their money from resellers. Mm -hmm. And so if they see like, hey, this person solely is responsible for like 5% of the sales that we do every week because they buy mm -hmm. so much stuff from us, they're going to be more willing to cater to you because you're there all the time. You're spending money there. And yeah, you, you've established yourself as a reliable, good customer. Yeah. I mean, there was a store I used to frequent all the time on a daily basis. Uh, that was probably like a mile down from where I lived. And I bought so much that eventually I would show up. The store would close at seven. I've shared this before, like, I don't know, 100 episodes Back in ago. the beginning, yeah. Yeah, back in the beginning, right? I would show up at 6.59 p.m. Closing time was at 7. And the reason I did that is because they knew me, they trusted me. And so at 7 o'clock, all the customers were out. They would lock the doors and I would have the whole store to myself. Not only would I have the whole store to myself, but they would also bring out stuff that they were going to bring out the next day. Did I tell you that I actually uh, benefited from that connection you had there? One Did time? you really? Yeah. So I, I I think we talked about it a long time ago on an earlier podcast, uh, but I went there and I'm kind of, you know, this was when I was still afraid to tell people I was a reseller, even at garage sales and stuff. And the relationships you'd built with the management there, they knew we had a podcast. They must have watched it. And the lady comes to me and she goes, 
I'm going to tell Orlando you're on a stomping grounds. And I kind of like <laughs> laugh and I, I'm like embarrassed. I'm like, oh no, she knows I'm a reseller. Like this is going to be bad. And next thing you know, she's bringing stuff from the back out to me. Like, hey, what about this? Oh, I saw hey, this. I know, I know you who you're this. talking about and hey, I missed that Hey, you want to buy this? And she's bringing stuff out of the back and showing me things that I'm like aren't even on the floor yet. And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. And I'm so stoked about this. And unfortunately that, you know, that uh, person ended up moving to another store. So, but I mean, it, it shows like I can vouch for the fact that what Orlando's talking about is real. Like he, what he's saying, I was able to benefit from, and I have never been able to be that consistent at any store because just time-wise and stuff, but it goes to show like what he's saying, it does work. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> the only reason I'm sharing this, I, I will never share theory. I will share things that have been done. All right. So second, all right, before we go to second though, uh, if you haven't yet signed up for our Pure Hustle Coffee, I'm just joking, uh, buymeacoffee.com slash Pure Hustle, please do so. We do plan on doing a Zoom. We kind of had a live that we tried to set up, so that got in the way of us doing a Zoom. But Zoom is for our members. It's just a virtual meetup where we get to talk. And we can even talk about, we were going to talk about Q4 in this next one, so we're hoping to do that. We can also talk about negotiation. We'll also have you know some theme talk topics to talk about. But uh, buymeacoffee.com slash Pure Hustle is our weekly or monthly or yearly membership for less than a coffee. You can, you know, sign up and uh, it's a great way to support the podcast because again, our content is all free. We don't have our podcast behind the paywall because we want to help everyone out, but that does incur costs on our, our end uh, from electricity to getting new equipment to, you know, a lot of the money that we end up losing is taking away time from reselling, right? Mike and I could be sourcing, we could be listing and, and this stuff does take a good amount of time. So, Anytime you can help us with buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle, it's a great help to us. Yeah, so to clarify, buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. Now, you did start by saying pure hustle coffee, which I was, know, joking. All, I was joking. I'm all the guy about ideas, and who knows? Maybe that's our next business venture. That's what Scavenger Life did. We could be, <laughs> that's we could what be the podcast. <laughs> we could be pure hustle podcast coffee. You get your pure hustle coffee. You want to be able to hustle pure? Get your pure hustle coffee. I don't know. Like maybe if you, uh, if you guys got connections with some, uh, some coffee vendors, uh, hit us up. We I'd be the worst because I never out. drink coffee. Yeah, well, uh, my wife drinks a lot of coffee. She'll be our t- taste tester. Like, is this good? Go. Is this good? When we find a good blend, and then we would sell our mugs. Yeah, we'll package it with coffee in the mug. It'll come in the mug. It'll be really. It'll be gift wrapped. It'll be super sweet. It'll be like you know, like a Christmas gift. And you know, who knows? Who knows what the future has for us? All right. Anyways, check the link below. Buymeacoffee.com/slash/pure-hustle. All right. Second thing, being friendly. And I know this sounds like common sense, but I'm telling you. And you know this to be true, and you've had this experience too. You know, the other day, this is not the same scenario, but I had somebody message me, and somebody messaged me about a buckle I had, and they're like, not even a pawn shop would give you that much money. You should sell it for this amount. And they sent me an offer, and I'm like, what? No. Like, even if I, if you had just sent me that low offer, I might have taken it. It was a slow day. But the fact that you're a jerk, I'm not going to help you. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's one of those things where it's really easy when you're right. You oftentimes want to like, you know, be right. And you Mm -hmm. want other people to know you're right. So sometimes you might bring something up and it was marked at a certain price. And then they might say like, oh, you know, the tag's off or we can't sell this. And so you can lose or burn a a bridge or lose a friendship or lose a relationship by, you know, sticking to your ground and be like, no, like this, you need to sell this. It was on the floor. I don't know why you won't sell this take the loss that one time, be like, Oh, sure. No problem. Like, just let me know when it's back on the floor, you know, and I, I'd maybe love to buy it another time because you do that one time and then you've, you've kept that relationship. But if you are known, if you're consistent, but you're known as the person who blew up that one time, it's like they say, like it takes a lifetime to build a reputation. It takes a moment to, to ruin it. 
right? So, you know, once you build that relationship, you might be able to be like, ah, come on, let, let's work on this. But but don't be the person who blows up because once you're known as that person, that, that's who you are. You're the person who blew up at them and yelled at them over the pricing on a shoe or something like that. And it's that's it. Your, your relationship's done. Yeah, and make sure to be aware that knowing people's names is key. Okay, and so... You know, when you're becoming friendly, right? And and you're at that store five or six times, right? Whether it be a thrift store or a retail store. If you can, each time you go, hey, what's going on, John? Hey, what's going on, Nikki? How's it going? That goes a long way, right? That you're telling that person that they're important, right? And And even asking, you know, how's the day been or how's business been? And I know that sounds like small talk and it is, but... For some individuals, that may be the only interaction they've had outside of their coworkers. And even then, right, maybe they want to talk to somebody different, right? Maybe they're tired of talking to their coworkers. And so bringing friendly goes a long way. And like Mike said, I mean, Mike, what Mike told me before, uh, we were at a store that should not be named. We shot a video at one over in, um, over in that town that also has a Salvation Army like a mile away. And when I walked in, very first thing was, hey, how's it going, Orlando? How are you doing? I'm like, hey, what's going on? And you know, I think his name was Philip, uh, this individual. And I said, hey, Philip, how's things been? And sure enough, right away, he's like, hey, we just got this stuff in over here. There's this over here. Being friendly matters. So take the time. I, I know as new resellers, everyone's scared to say that they're a reseller. They, they don't want people to know they're even in the store, right? They want to quietly source and they want to pay for stuff and get out. But spending just those few moments can bring you hundreds of thousands of dollars when you're trying to make deals uh, later on. Yeah. And and going back to that idea of like taking, making a small chat, like I'm really bad at remembering names, remembering names, but it's one of those things. Like one tip I heard one time was if you were really told, like if you think you have a hard time remembering names, but if somebody said, if you can remember this person's name, you're going to get a million dollars. Like you would remember their name. Mm-hmm. Like it's all about mm-hmm. efforts, amount of effort you put in. And I, I read a book a while back. It's The Violent Bear Away by um, Flannery O'Connor. And there was, I, I mentioned this before on a podcast, but I thought it was so good that this kid is like hitchhiking and he gets picked up by a businessman, like a door-to-door salesman. And the door-to-door salesman gives him some life advice. And basically it was kind of what you were saying, like being friendly, making, getting to know the people. And what he would do with his clients is as he got to know them, he kept a journal, like a little notepad. And he'd be like, okay, this is Tom. Tom's wife has cancer. They've been married for this many years. This is their anniversary. They have three kids. One of their kids just went to college, right? He'd keep them a thing. And before he'd go kind to that- like Michael customer, Scott in the cards. I don't know. Maybe. uses the wrong Rolodex. Maybe. You remember that episode? I don't okay, know. Anyway. But okay. so he would keep track of this stuff. And so when he'd go to this person's house to sell them something, he'd review. He's all, I don't remember all the stuff about them, but I'd quickly review the thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. So then I'd go in and be like, how's your wife, Martha? Is things going better? How's the treatment going? I know she started a new treatment last I talked to you. And it made, yeah, it made the people feel like this person's my friend. And I'm not saying be shady, but actually take interest in people, right? Like, yeah, people want to be known. Even if you actually have to, when you go out to your car, write down, okay, the manager's name or the, the coworker's name, that was such and such. And uh, I asked how they were doing and they said, you know, like pretty good, except for my house flooded. Story coming next update. Uh, my house flooded. Then the next time you go in and see them, they're like, hey, how's the house going? Did you get it fixed? They'd be so happy that you did that. But it, it just takes that moment of writing it down. Like, it seems like a silly thing, but that can go a long way. And it also builds genuine interest in people as you start to say like, you know what, I'm going to care about what they're saying to me. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And now the only reason about that, I'd love to remember in the comments, there's that office episode where Michael had a Rolodex, but the ones that were green were facts not to share. Mm. And the red were facts 
to share. And so Dwight started going with the green. And anyways, it's hilarious. If you know, you know, let us know in the comments. All right. Now, it's important to know the employees, but it's more important to know the supervisors and the management. And that's a little bit harder to get to. Right. But remember, the the entry level positions, they can't make some of the big calls. Right. At the thrift, maybe they can. But especially when it comes to retail, when you're at an off price store and you're trying to make a deal, it's going to go to management. Right. Because, again, it may not be within their guidelines. And we'll talk about that later on, about being careful and knowing what stores can do and what they can do. Because, you know, when we get into this, you know, I've had people before say, you know, Orlando, isn't that employee going to get in trouble? Well, the employee only gets in trouble if the management is unaware. Right. Or if it breaks company policy. But there are stores, even retail stores that are willing to budge on things. And it is within their policy based on certain criteria. Right. So make sure you know the management. It's so big because the the management, you know, even that story you had mentioned, it's the management that made that happen. Right. Because I could have known all the entry level people. But if I knew the right manager in there, it changed everything. Right. And, And I even retail stores. There's there's one right now. There's an off price store where I don't even know, they, they keep hiring new people all the time, but there's one consistent older lady that she recognizes me, I beard and she always goes, it's the bearded one when I walk in and, and sure enough, she's like, Hey, what are you looking for today? And I'll, uh, I'll say, Hey, I, you know, I'm looking for these items. She's like, Oh, we haven't even put these out. Come back with me. And then she'll show me and I'll be able to buy and I'll be able to make that deal. All right. So make sure it's the management that you're also don't just talk to everyone. And again, that's going to take you time. Yeah. And management really can for even even big, big box stores can they have a lot of leeway. Uh, We are family friends with somebody who's really high up in a in a company and uh, relatives of ours were doing a school event and they were decorating for Halloween. And so they're like, hey, do you think that this store would donate this? They have this big like attraction like thing and it's really expensive. Our school can't afford it. Do you think uh, we can get a deal on it? So we called him up and luckily, I mean, we knew a person who, I mean, I'm talking high up, like district level management. And we're like, hey, our school's doing this thing. And they were like, uh, he's like, yeah, no problem. Like we could totally, we have it in our budget. We can, we can donate this to your school. Just come in, let them know. And when we walked in, we talked to, I mean, it was like a, you know, a team lead or something. And they're like, no, we don't do that kind of stuff at this store. And we're like, hey, we know this person, like give them a call. And they're like, wait, you know, so-and-so. And sure enough, they called up the store manager. The store manager was like, yeah, I got the, the phone call. Give it to them. And like we were just wanting a discount on it. And like he he was able to donate it like he had the, within his power. And so, again, that was a good connection. We had that. Luckily, it was like family friend. But it goes to show that like people in management positions, they have certain things within their their ability. And again, if they're trying to meet a quota, if they're trying to have a bottom line of our store needs to turn over this much stuff, they know the profit margins. They're able to say, hey, we, we're making X amount of profit on these things. We can take a discount on this and we're still because we're selling it at such quantity or quality we're going to be able to our quantity we're going to be able to to actually meet those numbers we're trying to meet this month and it actually helps the store out yeah agreed agreed all right now this last one this is going to be kind of sketch for a lot of people and it's the idea of leaving a business card right and again this is there's a lot of hesitation about leaving business cards right because hey i don't want people to know i'm a reseller you know what if what if they don't try to give me a deal? They instead charge me full price. Or what if I turn business away? Right. I give my business card. They automatically know I'm a reseller and I'm doomed. Now, you obviously have to read the room, right? You have to read people. But when it comes to the thrift, it's not. Listen, I've left my business card. I have 
several managers in San Diego County that have my business card. And if, you know, they know what I'm looking for. Like I go in there and I'm consistent. Like I said, you know, point one, be consistent. So they know what I'm buying. And sometimes they'll get a huge, you know, shipment of, uh, well, shipment or whatever it comes in, the cargo truck of a certain item I'm looking for, whether it be Harley gear, whether it be, you know, Hawaiian shirt, whatever it is that, you know, I consistently source. And they'll call me up and they'll say, hey, Orlando, by the way, you know, all this inventory came in and I may not hear from someone for a long time. It may be six months. It may be a year. It may be two years. I, I know somebody that we uh, follow on Instagram who even even at the Nike store left his business card. Didn't hear anything for two years. But guess what? Two years later, he was one, able to get one of the best deals ever. And it's because he left his business card. So you never know the opportunities you may be missing out on by not taking that extra step. I like you were kind of hesitant in the beginning, like leaving any kind of card. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, part of it was I didn't I thought I could get better deals if people didn't think I was a reseller. And there are probably times when that's the case, you know, when someone's like, you know, they'd rather sell it to somebody who's going to buy the toy for their kid as opposed to somebody who's going to turn around and flip it. Right. I get that. But the flip side of that is usually I'm not going to make as much money off the one single item as I am going to be able to make off of the big score. Right. So when I tell people like, hey, you know, I'm looking for weights or I'm looking for whatever it is, you know, I'm looking for. And they're like, Hey, you know, I've got a bunch of not wanting to sell it right now or, you know, leave me my card. And then, yeah, next thing you know, you get a call like a year later and it's like, Hey, I'm moving and I don't want to take this stuff. And I remember you said you were looking for it. Right. So that, that kind of stuff, those are the often the bigger scores. And yeah, I might lose a little bit here and there. If people realize like, Hey, this guy's just a reseller. But I think in the long run, the bigger deal profits are going to come. People know that you're a reseller. Agreed. Agreed. All right. So next, let's get practical. Let's go to the thrift right now. Let us know if there's tips that you have used or things that would help. Let us know in the comments. Again, I, Mike and I have always said that we are not the end of knowledge. We're not gurus. Some of the stuff may work for some of you. It may, it may not work for some of you. There's stuff that we may do better based on your comments. So let us know. But let's talk about the thrift store. <laughs> this is going to be funny because I do this all the time. But it never, something is priced really high. Okay. And we know this to be the case in San Diego, right? How many times you walk in? I mean, I remember uh, the last video I made, I went to, you know what the highest price store that shall not be named is? You know which one it is? It's, it's next to like a Domino's. It's over in, in the that Rancho area. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Like that place is crazy. We're talking about Doc Martin selling for $129.99, right? We're talking nice. about. Yeah, I mean, it's nuts. Like they're looking at eBay, eBay uh, listings. eBay doesn't even, even matter anymore. Yeah. It's like, we're going to charge whatever we want. I mean, that's, that's basically what it's come down to. But here's the thing. It never hurts to ask a simple question. Is there anything we can do with this price? In a very nice way. Again, hopefully you've done all the steps below. You've been consistent. You've been friendly. You've gotten to know the management. Maybe you left your business card. And they know you're a consistent buyer, right? I ask that question all the time. If you've been watching, I've changed some of my tactics at garage sales. I used to be like, you know, uh, you know, how much are you thinking now? It's just more of, is there anything you want to, you know, are you willing to work on this price? Cause then it puts it on their end, right? The, the, the responsibility, right. is no longer on your end. And on top of that, you're giving them the autonomy to make that call. And I will tell you, it's it doesn't work all the time, especially the store that shall not be named. That's a really tough store because I think their policy doesn't allow. I don't know. They can go store to store. 
Right. But I've had some stores that are like, nope, can't do it. It's nationwide policy. And then I've had other stores like, yeah, you know, that's priced pretty high. But if, if, you know, would you be willing to buy it if I dropped $10, just saving that $10, if you do that 10 times in a week, you're saving a hundred bucks. And if you get told no, and it's a hard no, of like we can never do that at the store and, and you keep pushing it, you might be ruining a relationship. But at the start, when you're first trying to figure out, it doesn't hurt, right? Like getting a no is not the end of the world, right? We've talked about that in some of the other books that we've done. In fact, sometimes it's good to try and get no's and just say like, hey, can you work on the price? If they say no, no big deal, right? Either you're going to buy it or you're going to put it back, but it doesn't hurt to ask, right? You could at least say, hey, can you work on the, Can we work on the price? Because then it gives you the, the feel for, is this a store that will negotiate? Can they work on prices? And it'll give you that, that, that knowledge, that understanding. And if they say no... It's not the end of the world. I think part of the problem is people have this view, this idea that if they get rejected in something, it's like the end of the world, that it's personal. And once you start, I've gotten better as time goes. Part of it, I think, is just getting older. I think more as people get older, it, they, they stop caring as much. But I think some people still do care a lot. And, and a lot of it is just repetition of being told no and learning like almost like stoically, like water off a duck's back. Just like, cool, no problem, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to look at it and be like, oh. I got rejected, right? Because it's not like somebody's saying like, I hate you as a person, right? And even if they do, they hate you as a person, but getting a no (laughs) is not the end of the world, right? Like a lot of times people stress about what other people think. I mean, I've had students in the past, I have sixth graders right now and I have kids come in and they're very upset with, you know, my people are thinking this about me or people are thinking this about me. And once I try and I try and convince them, like, honestly, most people are more concerned about themselves. They're probably not even thinking about you. You think that they're thinking oh, these things about true, you, you know, true. but reality is they're probably not even thinking about you. So don't worry about it, right? Like you're thinking about this way more than they are. So once you start to realize that and you're like, you know what, if they say no, it's not personal. Yeah, agreed. And again, it's the idea of just getting awkward, right? You you get, once you start doing this over and over and over again, it's going to get easier. All right. Next, and this this varies, but be familiar with tag, what tags mean at different stores because that could be a negotiation piece. All right, so for example, I, at the store I shall not be named, some of them have different colored tags. So they may have a, a red tag, a blue tag, a green tag, and, and I know for example, Salvation Army here in, in San Diego, certain tags mean that they're they're not clearance, but they've been you know out in, out in the store for like thirty days, right? And if you know that. That's going to help you get a better deal. So you got to be familiar. And it never hurts to ask one of the employees, go, hey, what do these different tags mean? Like, I see that there's blue and they're green. And if you have that knowledge, that's going to help you with the negotiation price, right? And it's it's also that deals with retail. There are certain prices like, you know, uh, Costco, if, if things end in, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but uh, with retail stores, but if things end in 9-7, you know that that's the last time that item's going to be there. And if if it's been sitting for a while, you know, management there might be able to work out a price. Actually, that did happen to me uh, at a Costco once. I was able to buy a bunch of Lego sets at a really great price because I knew they were trying to clearance it out and it had been sitting there and I was able to negotiate that price. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Hey, guys, we wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Hey everyone, I know all of you have all kinds of businesses running, not just reselling, but maybe you make items and you sell on Etsy, or maybe you provide a certain service, but you want to get your name out there. You want to be able to scale your business and Podcorn is a great opportunity. It matches you up to certain podcasts that are appropriate to your business 
and at the right price. So it's a great opportunity to be able to bring your business to the next level. But there's more, right, Mike? That's right. There are so many different ways that you are all making money. We know that you guys are hustlers to the core. You've got revenue coming in from so many different sources. And we've had some of you ask about, how do I start a podcast? Or I started my own podcast. And, and what do I do with this? How do I, how do I monetize this? How do I make sure that this becomes something that's worthwhile to me that is a revenue source? And so Podcorn is an incredible incredible program. It's a website that is going to be able to make sure that your listeners are getting information and getting advertisements that are going to be relevant to them, that are going to be important to them. And it's going to be a way for you to bring in some more money. So definitely go to podcorn.com and check out all of their amazing services. Thanks for listening to our advertisements. Now back to the show. So always be willing to to gain that information because that information is going to help you a lot. All right. Now, what about bundles? I mean, we talk about bundles all the time. Have you tried a bundle at a thrift store yet? Um, not, and, not, and what it, before you say anything, I don't mean like getting all your stuff together and going to register and go, hey, what do you think for all of this? Like, that's not going to work. That works at garage sales, but not at the thrift. No, I, I mean, not exactly like that. But I mean, I've definitely there have been I, I kind of take back a little bit the whole negotiating things at thrift stores. I mean, I've done it a little bit at One Salvation Army and they had a bunch of um, dead stock. And they had, you know, you can tell like when when stores get like a whole shipment of something and they've got mm-hmm, basically mm-hmm. like shelves full of like the same item and they've got them on sale for like three dollars a piece or, what, you know, whatever it is yeah. that they're selling them for. And so I have been able to work out like, hey, what if I what if I just buy all of it? Like, could you work with me then? So that I have done that before. And the management did work with me one time. So that would kind of be how I would kind of consider a bundle is like. Hey, like you've got a bunch of these things. Like if I were to buy all of it, then that's when I would say, can we work on the price? Because then you've got a little bit more leverage mm-hmm. of them saying, well, I might be stuck with shelves of this inventory that's taking up space where I can get more stuff out of the back or I can just get rid of it all at once, maybe for a little bit less, but I'm done with it. Yeah. And again, you don't know how much they have of it, right? They could have, you know, you think that that's all they have and they're not wanting to move it, but they could have a whole other truck. Right. And they're just trying to move it. And again, I want to reiterate, you know, sometimes people are saying, hey, when you make deals with these donations, right, like the Salvation Army, are you taking away uh, from other people? Right. Or are you are you helping? Are you hurting the businesses and they have no money now because you worked out these deals? You have to understand all these charities function like businesses. They want these items to be moved. I can't tell you how many times I've had management at the Salvation Army or the store I shall not be named or uh, Father Joe's or all these places say, hey, thanks so much uh, for being willing to buy this all. This allows us uh, to quickly move this stuff and we can put more inventory to sell, which allows us to fulfill our mission. So understand that. Don't don't go off like, hey, you're taking away money from individuals that need it. But again, you can you can actually bundle like if if especially if it's multiples, right? It's not like it's garage sales where like you're programming a bunch of random. They're not going to care because that's just the same as a bunch of customers picking up stuff. But if it's a lot of the same, sometimes they just got truckloads of it and they don't know what to do with it. All right, now this one is when you think a deal, don't just think a discount. Think about being able to buy a lot of items at one stop, so you're not constantly having to source. It. Listen, if you can source. At one place for the day, and that gives you a killer profit. You don't need to drive anywhere else, right? You don't need to, you know, spend your time. You don't need to 
uh, go, you know, research all these things. You may have gotten everything you need for the week by one end. And the question always is, do you have any more items in the back? Have you, have you done that ever before in the thrift? Um, no, not exactly like that, but I mean, there's one thrift store we go to that actually lets us use the restroom, uh, which most thrift stores don't. And oh, so yeah. you have to walk through like their entire back. Like it's kind of weird though. Sort of, like, yeah. You feel you little, can literally be an employee there. Like yeah, it doesn't take like much. It. So, you know, I'm walking back and I'm like, wow, there's like a lot of stuff back here. And so I'm seeing things I'm like, man, I wish that was out on the shelf right now. But I mean, I can imagine like, for instance, I could see this playing out where let's say you're a bookseller and you're consistent. So they know you're always there. And you can say, look, I've searched the, the books on your thing. I'm buying 10 of them right now. Do you have more books in the back I can look at? Mm -hmm. And they might be more than willing. Like, yeah, I just don't have the manpower to like, and we don't have the shelf space. But if you want to go in the back, we've got a bin full of books. You can look through those for the next hour. You know, no problem. And so I could definitely see thrift stores, especially if you've been, if you're just a random nobody showing up. But if you're there all the time and you're like, hey, do you mind if I check the books in the back? And they're like, sure, no problem. Or they might wheel out a cart for you or something like that. Because a lot of times, especially with something like books, they're already priced, right? Hardbacks are $1 or $2, softbacks are 25 cents. So they're not worried about the pricing aspect of it. They just might not have the space for it. But yeah, I could definitely see them saying, sure, I've got stuff in the back. No problem. Yeah, it, you'll be shocked because you always think that everything that's out there, since the thrift store is all they have. But in reality, they, they might have a ton of stuff. And like you said, even right now in San Diego, I, I just was at a store that shall not be named and their fitting rooms are closed due to labor shortage. Right. So they may not be able to get everything out because they just don't have enough employees. So always ask because you can get some killer deals. And actually, you may be able to get a better deal because and it depends on the thrift store, but they may have not priced it yet. They may have not researched it on eBay. And so you're getting it raw. And, and that's actually happened to me multiple times uh, at other stores where, you know, they, they knew me for a while. So they take me to the back and. You know, again, I would be fair with them. I'd I'd show them the comps on eBay because, again, you want to build that trust with people because they know. Like I, there was one store that shall not be named that their goal was that everything that they sell should be 25 percent of what it was on eBay. Right now, management came in and it all changed. But they knew that my price had to be less than 25 percent. Right. And so we always worked out a deal. So be aware of that. All right. So that we've, we've talked about what applies to both the thrift and we're going to get to retail, but we do have our special segment of hustle of the week. But before we get there, I just want to talk about one of our sponsors, AmericanBubbleBoy.com. It's been great. I just got my recent bubbles came to me in like two days uh, and I ordered later in the evening. Right. But it'll tell you, you know, it's kind of like Amazon. If you order within this time, you'll get it. So if you haven't checked out yet, AmericanBubbleBoy.com. Uh, my favorite order is always a four foot roll, 750 square feet, two day free shipping. And by the way, we now have a promo code and it's Purosa Podcast all in lowercase. So if you go to the link below and you order you help us out. You help yourself out. You help out American Bubble Boy. And now I think they expand. I saw now they have a warehouse in North Carolina. So they'll have faster shipping on the East Coast. I love it, man. They're growing. I mean, that's a good sign. It's a good sign that they're they're successful. Their business model is working. And so you can count on them as a company that's, that's not just... I mean, there's nothing wrong with mom and pop, you know, like which is a small little thing. But the fact that this is a small company that has been reliable and consistent enough that it continues to grow shows us they're doing something right and they can be counted on to deliver good product at a good price quickly. Yeah. And and by the way, I just want to say something real quick. I've had some of you DM me and say, hey, you know what? They took too long. I didn't get my shipping on time or I contacted customer service and he never got back to me. 
like let us know you know and again i'm not gonna say i'm gonna directly link you to the owner and so on i also want to respect their time uh but they want to know that they want to make things right okay and, and if that happened to you before and you're like i'm done with americanbowlboy.com try them again you know let them have the opportunity to make it right i'm telling you they have quality items great price definitely worth checking out i just i was just talking to the owner joel i think a few days ago over dms on instagram uh talking about their expansion and so on so they definitely they are customer centric and they they want the best product at the best shipping times and they want to build integrity in the resale community so check them out check the link below americanbowboy.com yeah all right, before we move on, if you haven't been following us on social media, we are on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok as Pure as a Podcast. We are on Twitter as Pure as a Cast. Should I mention the other yeah, one? No, okay. Anyone. All right. <laughs> if you know, you know. Uh, also, you can always give us a call, 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. Uh, you can also shoot us an email, Pure as a Podcast at gmail.com. That's Pure as a Podcast at gmail.com. And also, if you have not watched us on YouTube, we just had a recent live episode, a reaction video. We had a great time. Always love going live with everyone. And so if you haven't yet gone onto YouTube and checked us out, uh, make sure to do so. Uh, just come on over, hit that subscribe, hit that like button and that bell notification. And if you just listen to the podcast, do it anyways. <laughs> so it'll help us out. And uh, as always, we're grateful for all the iTunes reviews. They definitely help us out. And uh we are the most reviewed reselling podcast out there. Woo -woo. And uh, we got a pretty awesome reviews because we're done with the 500 club. Uh, and we got now some we're moving to the 600s. Yeah. So if you if you I mean, technically, maybe this doesn't sound like it doesn't work. Right. It's one of those things like, uh, you know, the first century is like year zero to 100. Right. Which kind of sounds weird. But it's kind of like that with the way we're doing this. So we're technically now if you leave a comment after 501 or 500 to six. 559 or 599 you are i was thinking time there five 500 500 to 599 you are in the 600 club okay you you made a comment before we got to 600 so uh you don't want to miss the 600 club because uh you know we'll, we'll be there before you know it so we have a comment here from a uh, given a gift uh shane d i think this pointed to one of your quotes you remember you used to do quote of the week yeah i need to start it's I been a long time let us on the comments below. the real ones know do you want the quote of the week back it's been it, a, it's been like a hundred was episodes. it inspiring <laughs> okay well i think this is part of it so uh shane says great show great info one thought the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago wouldn't the second best time to plant a tree be 19 years 11 months and 29 days ago that's that's uh that's very true. That is that is the letter of the law for that quote. But we're going with the spirit of the law, which is it's better to have done something in the past. But if you didn't do it in the past, you can't control that. What you can control is what you do right now. So plan that tree now. That's right. Okay. All right. Thank you, Shane, for the review. Having yet, just jump on over. I want to get back to our 5.0. I'm so bothered that we're a 4.9. It is what it is, man. You know, people are gonna the hate. Trolls coming hate, out of the woodwork, man. Gonna hate. So anyways, and by the way, please know if anybody is a troll, you don't need to reply to them. Just ignore them. They're, they're not worth your time. I see people out there and it's okay. I, it doesn't bother me, but no, I mean, it's kind of cool when you see the community coming together and supporting each other. Okay. So I say viciously attack trolls. I just think just it's it. time is valid. Time. Why waste your time on trolls? All right. Okay. All right. It is time for. Come on, hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah, I need to get back to making more sound effects. That was that's, that's kind of cool. Like, I like that. All right. <laughs> so our first hustle comes from Joseph 
and Brianna, IG handle at Vivacious Vendor. I like that. Did I miss something up there? I don't know. It's Brianna. That's how they sent it to me. Brianna. Okay. I yeah. might have said your name wrong. Please forgive me if I did. Um, I'm just a human. I make mistakes. All right. Started reselling two years ago and began sharing with one of their grandfathers all of the Harley stuff that we were selling. They got connected with a friend who owned a motorcycle shop that had been running for 30 years. They bought off some of their spare inventory. One piece was a wheel for $50 and they sold it for $600. But that's not the hustle of the week. A few months later, they came across a pair of Rockford Fosgate Harley speakers at a thrift for $45. They listed on eBay and sold within 30 days for $319.99. Or $399.99. That is a hustle of the week. I don't even know if I've ever seen anything like that. Rockford Fosgate Harley speakers. I wonder if that was like a... uh, like actual speakers that go on a Harley or if that was like a crossover. No, they like, go on the Harley. Okay. Like, so people can listen. You ever have oh, yeah, someone man. roll up and you hear everything that they're listening especially to? Especially if you're, especially, I feel like, I mean, I've, I've heard it definitely around town and stuff. Uh, but like if you're in Vegas and there's like, you know, people driving by on their motorcycles, they've definitely got their music blasting for the world to hear, nice. man. Now, the reason I wanted to share this one was two levels. One is, you know, I always say sharing, right? Letting people know what you're doing. And, th- and that's what he did. Right. And then they kind of got connected to the shop owner. I'm pretty sure the conversation is we sell Harley stuff, right? We're resellers. And guess what? They ended up with a major score. Right. And I'm pretty sure, you know, Joseph and Brianna are going back and, and maybe making other deals. Right. And on top of that, they now gain knowledge with Harley stuff. They know that Harley stuff sells. They know what is good Harley. And I would say only 1% of Harley stuff doesn't sell. Pretty much everything has its price. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was a great hustle of the week. So love it. All right. So this next one is a next level one. It kind of goes with our video game reaction video. So uh, this is Chelsea IG handle Monarch Alley. This is actually her second hustle of the week. She was the one that had picked up a first edition Nintendo Power magazine and sold it for good money. Now, this is all on a YouTube video. So check out her YouTube Monarch Alley. I got to catch it live as you know, she showed her unboxing and what the item sold for. But this is a great story. So they were on Facebook Marketplace. On Facebook Marketplace, they came across a lot of video games for free. Her husband had knowledge of video games and she had the knowledge of reselling. When they got back home, they're going and they're scanning each of the games and again, check check the YouTube. There's a lot more to the story than I'm sharing. I'm just I don't want to share everything because I want you to check out their YouTube. Uh, came across a sealed version of Grand Theft Auto. I think it was like San Andreas Fall. And again, <laughs> we don't support everything in the video games. This is like one of the adult versions that got pulled from the store or something. Like there's a certain mod you could do. I don't know, but it was special. And it was going anywhere from 800 to several thousand. So they sent it in to get graded into WADA. What we were just talking about. And it got a 9.8 grade when it came back. And it took a few months. And you should watch the story. It's pretty intense. Okay. They listed on eBay for $2,700. By the way, this was free. Listed on eBay for $2,700. And while listening to our podcast, the algorithm must have triggered. It knew. And they sold it for $2,200. I wonder how much they had to pay to get it. Tested at water. I think it was about a hundred bucks. That's not bad. So That's check out bad. the video. They did the expedited, but check out the video. There's a whole lot more to the story. I think it's a great video to watch. If you want to understand the process, like, Hey, what do I do if I find something and then have to get a process? How long is it going to take? And what can I sell it for? And why should I sell it on eBay instead of an auction house and so on? 
Yeah. So no, that's awesome. I'm glad so, you had success with that. <laughs> 2000. I'm still waiting for my, you know, I've had some major dollar sales, but I haven't had like a grail. So like my high yeah. sales been like 1800. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy to think that. I mean, we get a lot of hustles of the week where it's like that. I mean, I've had good like bulk buys where like I've made a couple yeah. thousand dollars off of like true, true. lots of hours of work and taking pictures of 50, 60, 70 items. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, I haven't had that. Like I bought one, I bought a trinket that sold for 10 grand or five grand. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I get it. one day, and, one day. And what I liked what Chelsea said in her video is like, I'm showing this because I want to let people know this is actually real. This does happen. It happens. Which yeah. is true. All right. All right. Our next one comes from Paul IG handle at excelled flips, excelled underscore flips was at a Savers thrift store and came across a clothes iron for $10. After doing some research, listed high on eBay and sold a Ronita DG5030. Rowenta. Uh-huh. Rowenta. Uh, pressure iron and steamer pro steam station for $159. 10 bucks to 159 That's a darn good flip. And it's an right iron. There. Yeah. It's an iron. Now, do you know irons cost money though? Uh, well, I mean, yeah. So, you know, ever since I left education, I threw away my iron. Like, if you ever see me a wrinkled shirt, it's foolish, man. Well, well it's because I don't that much space. I don't wear like I, I I have not worn a tie in four years. But you still want to have. I mean, your your clothes can get wrinkled. I mean, you don't always have to have everything pressed. But you know, there's going to be times when you want to look presentable. I, well, when if you get it out of the dryer in time, you're good. Things get wrinkled if they sit in the dryer too long. Maybe, or even folded or hung up in the closet. Like, yeah, you just got to hang it up real quick. But even, even then, like it can still, it can still get sprinkles yeah. in it. So the other day I was, I was at Costco and the iron in there was $50, like $50. Right. And so this got me, the reason I wanted to share this was, you know, it's the unexpected sometimes that makes you profit, right? Mike has talked about in previous episodes that curiosity sometimes leads to profits. Right. And so the fact that Paul took the time, saw this iron, researched it and sold it for 150. I've never heard of anyone selling an iron for 150 bucks. So anyways, that was an awesome hustle of the week. I get All right. What's your hustle of the week? So one of my garage sale ride along videos uh, from probably a couple months ago now, um, I picked up at a garage sale. The guy wouldn't budge very much. And I can't remember whether it was 60 or $80. So I definitely paid up on it. Uh, if you watch the video, you can tell me what the price I paid for it was. Um, but I bought a Bose control space, uh, CC64. It was new. It was, the box was open. The box is a little damaged, but the actual unit itself was still in the wrapper and had all the stuff in it. And we listed it a little bit higher than the going rate was just because there wasn't a lot of them selling that were like new open box. Most of them are used. And so we figured we'd probably get at least 250 for it. So we listed it for like, 325 350 somewhere around there and we got a 275 dollar offer and it has shipping on it so i was like sweet take the offer right like i'm gonna i'm still gonna make i'm gonna net off of this close to 200 bucks and it was one of those things where it's a hustle of the week because i tried to negotiate with the guy i got him down a little bit i think i want to say i can't remember whether it was 68 i'm not even gonna try and say but he wanted to hire and he set a bottom and he wouldn't go he wouldn't budge past that Mm. and so we settled on that and it was one of those things where like every time you pay up on an item, you're like, this, I hope this pays yes. off. I hope this Agreed. pays off because it's not a big deal if it's like, yeah, I'll pay $5 for it. I'll pay $10 for it. But if you're paying like 60 to $80 for an item, you're like, I hope this pays off. Right. Yeah. Because that's a little bit, especially at garage sales, but it paid off and it's, you know, I'd love to do deals like that every day over, you know, 
a bunch of $1 items where I'm only making 10 or 15, 20 bucks. Like even though the profit margin might be the same, the amount of work and time, one mm-hmm. listing, a few pictures, and I had to pay more up front, but the return on investment was, it was solid. Yeah, nice. And you took that risk of paying up. Would you have done something like that when you first started reselling? No, I don't, I don't think I would have paid that much. I mean, I don't know. The comps were there, right? So maybe okay, I would okay. have because they were definitely sold comps. Um, but I think, I think I would have had a harder time because when I first started reselling, the, f- the first probably six months of reselling, I was only taking like 60 to $100 to garage yeah. sales with me, right? So for basically my entire budget for the day, like that would be, that'd be tough for, for a single purchase. Yeah, so, you know, like you said, if the comps are there, it's definitely worth paying up, right? And check sell-through rate too. Sell-through rate, I'm sure you did. So if it's selling consistently and it's a nice profit, it's worth picking up. All right, so mine is kind of, it's a... It's a bunch of stuff all together. So during the beginning of the sickness that started, <laughs> like everything was shut down. Right. And at that time, you know, we had, we had a full episode about how to source from home. So I started doing a lot of sourcing. And what I saw was that among sports items, especially like the Hawaiian shirts, like the market dipped. So I, I was picking up a bunch of, of like starter and a rain spooner shirts, of different sports teams. So I'm a San Francisco Giants fan and uh, I love the Giants. And, you know, I love the Giants when they never made it anywhere in the 90s. And now they get, you know, they're in World Series all the time and so on. All the bandwagon fans jump on. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've been a fan from like the Will Clark, Jose Uribe. Only the real Giants fans know who I'm talking about. I'm sure of you. All right. Okay. And so I saw these shirts and there were these Rain Spooner Hawaiian shirts uh, San Francisco giant ones, which are hot there. People are selling for like 20, $25. So during that time I picked up, I want to say like 10 or 15 shirts. And, you know, I didn't share it with this with anyone because I wanted to make sure that no one else would compete with me uh, in buying these shirts. So I picked those up. I was picking up some starter jackets. So I picked up one for uh, $40. Now these shirts now, and this is huge. When a team gets to the playoffs, you can sell stuff at a premium. So I've been selling these Hawaiian San Francisco Giants ring spooner shirts for 100 to 125. Some I've been selling for $25, not $25, for $75 that I paid $25 for. A jacket, a starter jacket, a pullover jacket that I paid $40 for, I wore for an entire year. I took it like on a road trip, San Francisco. I wore it out thrifting, you know, whatever. It was a sweet jacket. It was a hooded jacket. I paid 40 for it. I just sold it for $149.99 plus ship. So I bought it on the cheap. I basically rented it for an entire year and I sold it for close to $100 profit. So always look for those opportunities. Kind of like, you know, at that time, whatever you threw your money at in the stock market pretty much made you money, right? Because everybody was scared to buy, right? So when prices dip, Right, because the market is low on a certain item, but it's a reliable item. When when things are hot, it's definitely worth looking to. For me, Rain Spooner is a consistent brand that if it's at the right price, I will always pick up. So that is my hustle of the week. I like it. All right, all right. So before we move on, there's another deal that's helped us out, and it's our skull shavers. Yeah, talking about looking presentable. You know, Orlando's fine with. With having the uh, with having the long beard, with, going there. with having wrinkled uh, with having wrinkled clothes. Some, he says he goes to garage sales sometimes purposely with some food on no, his no, shirt. No, 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 that, that's getting ready for work. Oh, okay. Um, 
So food, I don't yeah, have food yeah. You said you said you know. I did. You're right. You're right. On your shirt. Yeah. So um, but the reality is, when you look presentable, you're going to be able to negotiate better. You're going to be able to make better connections with people. There's just something about. I mean, it's it's maybe it's messed up that we're like this as a as a culture or as a uh, as a species. Uh, but we we look at things and judge them right away. And I'll tell you what, you know, if I let my hair grow out for a few days and it starts to get all scraggly looking. I look a little bit more like I'm uh like like I don't have a home, right? I'm just gonna say that. But when I use my skull shaver, which only takes like a minute, a half minute, something like that, it doesn't take long in the morning. I my confidence is up. I look better, and uh, I feel like it helps me probably with my negotiations, right? Because people are like, "Here's a presentable guy. He's a trustworthy guy. I can trust this guy." Even beards, you know, I mean, I gave you a hard time. I have a beard too, though. I work uh, on mine. There, there is a, a thing that a study that was shown that people do trust people with beards more. Or maybe really? it was the opposite. Maybe it was that they don't trust. I think it's they trust people with beards. <laughs> so I could be wrong. I might just be, be talking nonsense. But either way, people definitely are going to trust you more if you use a skull shaver and your, your dome looks nice and clean. So to get that deal, go to skullshaver.com slash pure. Nope. Promo code pure. Promo code pure. Yep. Oh, sorry, I was confusing. Buy me a coffee. Yep. Yeah, go to skullshaver.com. Use the promo code pure in the link below, P U R E, to get that special discount. All right. So let's talk about getting deals at retail stores. Before we do anything, though, you need a here. I want to make sure people understand that knowing the policies of the store are super important. Last thing you want, I was a loss prevention guy. Okay. So what that means is I would catch employees stealing all the time. And what would happen would be, you know, some person at the register, their friend shows up and gives them a special 20% discount. And guess what? They keep doing that over and over and over again. And a week later, I'm interviewing them in the office and they're eventually getting charged, right, for you know, <laughs> a ton of crimes. Defrauding a company. Yeah, defrauding a company. And they were just giving out discounts, right? And so you got to be careful because I, I've had people at the register give me, it's Mike, I don't know what planet I live in, but lately I've had people just give me free stuff for discounts. I haven't even asked it, right? I mean, stores do have policy. So I worked at Target for a while and it was within the the person at the cashier's like freedom. I can't remember what the exact number was. It was like 10 or 15%. So if a customer says, hey, no, like, the price that was on the shelf was this amount. If it's within a certain amount, they have the ability to do the discount. And again, we're not saying do anything shady. Don't lie. Like I, I, I will lose so much respect for you as a person if you know that something is ten dollars and you're not asking for a discount or trying to work something out. But you're like, but it said eight, and you're lying. That's terrible. So don't do that. But you know, there there are policies where where, where it's possible where the the cashier or management has flexibility for other reasons besides you know nefarious reasons. Mm -hmm. So be careful with that. You don't want to put anybody at risk or jeopardize anybody. All right. My next point that I don't have in our notes, Mike doesn't know about this one is make sure when, again, when you know policies, no price matching policies. I cannot tell you how many people do not do this, but man, you can make such a killing. There's so many retail stores that have these. Okay. And so and it's actually gotten better. It used to be back in the day that you, and the only price matching that a store would do would be with a physical a brick and mortar store. But now 
you can price match with Amazon. You can price match with other online stores. But here's the thing. If it's from Amazon, most places it has to be fulfilled, sold. Shipped and fulfilled by Amazon. Correct. It can't be, you know, some third party seller. Sold and fulfilled by, I think is yeah. But the other day, give you an example. Now this wasn't this wasn't for for resale, but uh, I needed a you know, I don't know why the Nintendo Switch, but the Nintendo Switch, you need a larger uh SD card to store video games and you eventually run out of space. So I had to get a 256 gigabyte card. Okay. I went, you know, I went on Amazon and on Amazon, uh, it was, it was selling for like 50 bucks, but I didn't want to wait for the next day. Right. So I saw it on Best Buy. Um, Best Buy was selling it for a hundred dollars. Right. I went to Best Buy. I found it. I showed them that, you know, Amazon.com was selling it for $50. And I was able to get it for 50 bucks, 50% savings. Now imagine if you could level that up on a resale level. Right. And, and I did a, I did a ton of this at target and, and, and other stores where you find other places that can price match you. And sometimes here's what's crazy. Sometimes you can price match a store with their website. Yeah. Right. And now Costco won't do that because you know, Costco, they're, they, I think they, the reason they explain it is because the shipping charges are in the price, right? But other places aren't like that. Yeah. And the other thing, too, another policy that you might be able to use in your, to your advantage is rain checks. I remember, oh, I yeah, remember yeah. I learned about rain checks when I was a kid. Not every store does it, but I went to go buy a video game and I was probably like eight years old. I'd saved up my money and they were out of the video game, but it was on sale. And that was the reason I had, I had saved up enough for the sale price, not, and the, the sale was ending that day and they were out of stock. And I like cried at the register. I'm like a little kid. And I'm like, that's not fair. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna be able to buy this game now. And they're like, we do rain checks. And so they literally gave me a coupon for it. So when it came into stock, I was able to get it at the sale price, even though it was like a week later that they were in stock. Mm-hmm. So some stores will do rain checks where it's like, hey, we're out of stock on this item, but we'll acknowledge this deal, even though we're out of stock. And here's the coupon for it. So not every store will do it. But if you know the policies, you might be able to, you know, they might have a limited number and that's why they have that sale. But if you can get a rain check on it, you might be able to get that sale that you can use to flip. Yeah, no, there, there was a time when I did a price matching at a store. They had their controllers. They're like these handheld controllers, for video games, and they were being clearanced out on their website, but not in store. And I showed them the price and I was able to pick up, I believe, for $14, something that I was flipping on Amazon for 50. Right. So I bought 10 of them. At fourteen dollars, think about it, one hundred and forty bucks before taxes and all that, instead of right the fifty dollar price tag that I could have had with five hundred. That's a huge saving. So be aware that they're out there. They're not highly publicized. All you have to do is Google the store and then put price match policy, and it's there. Yeah, all the time, like Target will do it. I'll just give you that one. Um, they'll they'll match their website. At least they have for me in the past. Where same thing, they were on clearance at the on the website. And the store had them on clearance, but it was a different price. It was actually more of a clearance online. And I was able to get the online price in the store. Yeah. So be aware that it's another way to make it do. And, you know, you don't have to be that awkward. You just have to know that the policy is there. All right. So here's something I want. I want people to think about <clears throat> deals aren't necessarily always. And I shared this before getting a lower price, especially when it comes to retail arbitrage. Right. Because there are certain stores, right, like Target that they don't want you buying multiples. They don't want you clearing the shelves. But here's the thing. If you've done everything before, you're consistent at certain stores, you, you know people, you know the management, right? And, and you know, you appear friendly and 
you know, because because resellers right now have a certain stigma, right? Sometimes they're called scalpers. But if they see your humanity and they know who you are, some of these stores, again, they have a lot of leeway depending on how high they are in the, you know, in the food chain. They may say, you know, you can only buy two, but I've been to stores where I've been able to buy 10 or 15, 20, 30 items of a product just because they knew me. Right. And, and they didn't put them in trouble. They had the leeway to sell it. Uh, so be aware of that because it's not just about getting the discount, right? Uh, being or even knowing like when a, like a restock's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, so um, knowing that, hey, we get new toys on this date or we restock at this time. Like, if you know that about a store, if they're like, hey, we typically do restocks at, at like 6 p.m. The stores open till eight. And so then, you know, to time your visits then if they're out of stock on stuff. Right. But you might not get that information if you're not able to develop those relationships, people ask people. And sometimes it is the just the the floor level person working. It's like, hey, do you know when you get more shipments of this stuff in? And it's like, yeah, every Thursday is when we get the uh, electronic shipments. Right. And then, boom, you have that information. So you made a deal at a retail place, even though it wasn't a discount, but you've got information and information's power. Yeah. And I was just at an off price store and I was talking to the manager and she told me, she's like, we get higher valued items and our markdowns are every Monday. So that in itself is going to get me great deals, right? Great items at great prices. All right. So how do you make a deal? Most of you are like, well, Orlando, this doesn't sound like you're making deals. Okay. You can make deals, but here's the thing. They have to be, I don't want to say a monumental level, but you have to buy a lot. Right. So for example, I, you know, I don't want to mention stores, but uh, there's a, there's a certain wholesale store <laughs> that they had these Lego sets. And I, I mentioned it earlier. So if you got that in the podcast, but I went to another one and I ended up buying two pallets worth right now. Would they have given me a deal if I just bought 10 of them? Right. Mm, probably not because to them, like those 10 are going to sell within, you know, the next week or so. The next hour, probably. Yeah. The next hour. But if I'm buying two pallets, it's moving forward. So my suggestion is if you want to get into getting deals at the retail game, now you can, you can get them on smaller items, but I have always found my experience is you got to be willing to buy a lot. And then that's how management knows who you are. That's how you build confidence. Uh, because here's the thing, you make that deal, you better not back out of that deal because that will destroy all phone calls coming at you. That will destroy any deals, but you need to be willing to make a large purchase to make that conversation. And then maybe later on you can make smaller deals. Sometimes you got to be willing to spend a lot. And sometimes you got to be willing to maybe cut a deal where you're only saving $2 per item. So this deal that I got at this uh, place for the Legos, I only got $4 taken off on, on each item. And was it uh, a lot of profit? Not, not until I ended up selling through everything. So I kind of had to, you know, my interest rate, I did get interest charges on my credit card for about a couple months because I, I wasn't able to move that entire pallet, those two pallets within, you know, that month. But at the same time, it allowed me to establish a relationship. So the next time I went to that store, I bought way more of that product and I was able to get a deeper discount. The only problem is uh, management changed and then they wouldn't let me buy anything. Yeah, it's like starting from square. Root. It was so bad. I mean, ground, ground level. Got to start over. Square yeah. one. So, but here's the thing. The deals are still possible when you go to retail. Yeah. All right. So hopefully this kind of helped you, you know, we're getting into Q4 or even if you're still going to, you know, be picking up secondary items, 
to be able to get deals. So always remember, you know, consistency, being friendly, knowing people, knowing their names. And then at the thrift, right, there's so many opportunities and it gets a little more difficult at retail arbitrage levels, but you're still able to make money by making those deals and continuing those deals over time. With that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Late. Peace.